You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. Welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach, and today we're going to be talking about um, a sort of guide to employee benefits for um, people in your group practice. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. If you'd like two free months instead of the typical one month free, you can use the promo code the Group Practice Exchange or go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the Group Practice Exchange and you'll get two free months. Try them out. They're really great. Um, okay, so talking about employee benefits, I get this question a lot and I'm going to go through some things and I want to start by emphasizing that you don't want to try to use all of these benefits at once, and it might not necessarily make sense for you to use um, all the benefits that I'm going to be listing. I'm just going to be going over things that I've used, that I've coached other practice owners who've used benefits, and try to give a set of well-rounded ideas for offering employee benefits. So this is definitely for employees. If you have contractors, it's not going to be very helpful for you. Um, so this episode is really for group practices that have employees and are thinking of offering benefits and what kind of benefits they can offer and what that can look like. I also want to emphasize that you want to talk to an employment attorney about benefits before offering them um, because depending on the state that you're in, there might be some benefits that you have to offer, whereas in other states you don't have to offer them. Depending on the state, there might be some extra laws that come into place when you decide to offer a certain benefit um, in, in terms of how you offer that and how much of that benefit you offer and who you offer it to. And so I'm start, I want to start by saying you really want to talk to an employment attorney before offering any of these things um, just to make sure that there aren't any nuances specific to your state or your group practice size when it comes to these benefits. But these are all different types of benefits that um, have been used in group practices that um, are, can potentially be beneficial. I also want to um, start off by bringing up the idea um, this is some, a mistake that I had made in the beginning, and I love talking about mistakes that I make and how to not have other group practice owners make these mistakes. But I started offering benefits based off of what I thought was important. And one of the things for me that was really important was retirement. I um, really value making sure that I have a safety net for when I retire. And so one of the first benefits that I offered was retirement matching because I thought this is something that everyone should be doing. They should be saving for retirement. And if my business can offer some sort of retirement matching, that's a benefit that I really found valuable. Um, and it was interesting because not everyone, and even now, not everyone uses retirement matching um, in my company. And it just showed how different um each person can be in terms of what they value. And I hear this a lot from group practice owners that offer something that then nobody uses. Um, and so my suggestion is before even talking to an employment attorney um, or before I should say even offering something is to get a pulse on your staff and what things that they value. A uh, great way to do that is to put a Google form out there and talk about different benefits and what those look like. And if you can rate these from most important to least important, how would you rate this? Um, what things do you value more, this or this? If you have like an idea and you want to offer, you know, either one benefit or another, and you know, maybe you can't offer both benefits because, like, let's say health insurance or uh, short-term disability, right? 
both are pretty expensive. You might not be able to offer both, but you can offer one or the other. You might say, which one would you prefer, this one or this one? Um, I would suggest asking and seeing what is it that people are really finding valuable. You might find that people value uh, a coffee machine with unlimited coffee or a snack bar um, that they can eat from every day over, say, like a... I don't know, continuing education stipend, right? And so really get creative on benefits. Not all benefits have to be, you know, medical uh, retirement matching kind of benefits. Some benefits might be in terms of case consultation um, or CEU stipends or um, things like uh, Starbucks every morning, you know. Um, But get a pulse on what people are really valuing before starting to offer it because one of the things that I felt was um, a little – like maybe not resentful, but maybe a little resentful that people didn't value the um, benefits as much as I valued them, but we're still using them, right? Some people might just take all the benefits that you're offering, but be like, nah, I don't care one way or the, uh, the other about this benefit. And then it can kind of not feel great to know that, well, you still have to spend money on these benefits on these employees who may not really value those benefits to begin with, but are just using it because they're going to, you know, use whatever they can. Um, and so, Going the route of really getting a sense of what people are valuing, what, they, um, what they're what they looking for, what they'd love to have, what they really don't care too much about can really help guide you uh, in terms of making decisions about what benefits to offer. All right. That being said, I like to look at things from a financial versus non-financial benefits perspective. Uh, and some of the financial benefits include things like paid sick time. Um, here in Chicago at the time of this recording, paid sick time is required. So it's not a benefit that I can choose to offer or not offer. We have to offer it. Um, paid sick time is, is great because, um, you know, then people when they're sick don't have to worry about not being able to, um, you know, afford pay their rent or whatnot because they know that just because they're sick, they're not going to suffer financially because of that. Um, along the same thread is paid time off. Paid time off or PTO um, tends to be one of the more expensive benefits, and um, you can do it in a similar way to paid sick time. But what's interesting about paid time off, at least here in Illinois, because I've always I've thought about this a lot, and it's um, just something that um, you don't have to offer. But when you do offer it, at least in my case, if I do decide to offer it. I actually, the whole set of laws get put into place. I can't just say, I like to offer paid time off, one week's worth of paid time off at $30 an hour, and um, they're only usable within that hour, and then they have to drop off at the end of the year. And if they quit or get fired, you know, those benefits fall off. Um, with paid time off, at least here in, in Chicago, uh, at the time of this recording, if I decide to offer it, there um, are a bunch of rules that get put in place in terms of, the rollover, um, you, I have to allow a certain amount to roll over in the next year. I have to pay them out at a hundred percent if a person leaves or gets fired so they can accrue it and then get paid out. Um, which is just, you know, if it's a, a benefit that is a little bit more expensive and in my case, I have a lot of benefits that I already offer. So adding this, I wanted to be able to add with, um, some rules around paying out if someone leaves or, um, you know, allowing people to, you know, hoard 100 hours of PTO, there's actually some rules in place if you decide to offer it where 
um, you may have to require or allow them to roll over and accrue PTO or pay them out if they are fired or let go. So something to, to think about, again, like I mentioned in the beginning, if you're going to offer something or you're thinking about it, talk to an attorney because it might not be as easy as offering something and putting your own sort of rules in place in terms of how people can um, use it and how it's structured. Another thing is continuing education. I see a lot of different ways that people um, offer this from the typical you know, yearly stipend where people can use X amount of dollars per year or per month and accrue it to use towards their trainings. Things that people talk about uh, relating to this is um, how to control the type of trainings that people are give, uh, taking. Are you Do you not care what kind of trainings they're doing? Is it important for you that they're only doing trainings in areas that are important to your business? How do you get to control that? Um, another way of doing it, which is a way that our practice does it, is every quarter we do a group uh, in-house CEU training. We go to PESI and I buy a digital training and I'm able to um, pay for the digital training once and then we can watch it and every new staff member that comes can watch it at their own leisure later on as well, which is kind of nice because you're paying for the course once um, and then you pay $20, $30 for every person that comes um, and, and for their CEU, for their CEs right? Um, so it's a great way to get everyone together. If you want to have uh, a sort of gathering, this is how we do it. We order lunch and breakfast and we sit and we talk and we watch the videos and we talk about the video. And then um, at the end, I pay for their um, CEs for that and we get to have it. I get to control what trainings they are. So if I find that we're getting a lot of um, clients that um, are in one specific demographic or one specific uh, specialty area, I can get trainings specific to that so that our staff can learn more about that specific area versus something maybe a little bit more generic. And I love that idea. And it's a great way to get um, staff together and feel like a sense of community with your clinicians. It's kind of like two, two birds, one stone sort of thing. Um, next is retirement matching. Um, I've mentioned this before, and um, this is a great way to help support people in their futures beyond when they're working at your practice. And um, there's different things you can do from IRAs to um, IRAs to 401ks. You'll want to talk to an insurance agent to see what's better for your practice, um, whether it's IRAs or 401ks. Then there's health insurance. Um, and health insurance is something that a lot of people talk about. You may have the option to have employee funded health insurance where you don't have to pay any part of it, but they are saving on their taxes because they're paying for it before they're, um, they're being taxed on their paycheck. So they can end up saving a good chunk of money, or you can do a partially funded employer, whether it's a set dollar amount or a set percentage of that employee's premium. Um, Talking to a health insurance agent in your city is it going to be important for that because it seems um, like different areas have different rules. I have employer fun, employee funded health insurance, but I've heard that in some other states they only offer uh, employer funded or uh, partial funded by an, an employer insurance. And so you'll want to see what is it that you can and can't do when it comes to health insurance. Are there a minimum amount of clinicians you need? Um, in my case, there wasn't, but you might find that there are. Um, depending on where you're at and what type of insurance companies are available to you there. Then there's life insurance. Um, life insurance tends to be one of the low-cost options or lower-cost options because um, it essentially, I don't know, it's just 
is cheaper than a lot of the other things that I've looked into. We offer life insurance for everyone, whether they're uh, full-time or part-time. And um, what's nice is it just helps give a sense of support to your clinicians' lives. And if something were to happen, you're helping support family members, um, the family members of that clinician if something were to happen. Uh, also is short-term disability. And this tends to be one that's a little bit more expensive, but it's great because it can um, support people on maternity or paternity leave or if they get hurt and need short-term disability. Um, I use a company called Aflac. They're great for a lot of these benefits, whether it's life insurance or short-term disability. Um, they, they have lots of options there, so they're, they're a great first person to talk to to get some ideas. Um, bonuses is another great option that people use. I used to. I don't any longer. Um, but there's a lot of ways that you can set it up. You can set it up where it's a certain amount of dollar amount bonus for seeing an average of X amount of clients per week every six months or every year. Or you can bake, um, make it based off of um, doing things that are above and beyond, like marketing or blogging and things like that. Um, another option, which I prefer is profit sharing and profit sharing is goes beyond the typical bonus structure in that as the business as a whole cont- uh, does better the clinicians who play a role or the leadership team or whoever you want to set up profit sharing with um, as they do what they need to do to move the needle forward in terms of profits they get a percentage share of that profit for you know, seeing the amount of clients that they were seeing or doing the work that they needed to do to um, make the profits of your practice go up versus when a practice maybe loses a lot of clinicians or clinicians aren't seeing the amount of clients that they're supposed to be seeing or there's a lot of time off and a lot of people leaving, um, you'll see that your overall profits go down, but so then does that profit sharing amount and they all kind of get a feel. So there's this... Um, extrinsic sort of motivation for staff if there's a profit sharing to really play a real pivotal role in um, increasing profits in that bit in your business as a whole Um, there's people that do this with all of their staff there's some that do it just with their leadership team so there's ways of um, setting it up in a in a way that works for you and the way your practice is And then the last financial benefit that um, is a sort of alternative to health insurance, if you can't afford health insurance, is something called QSERA. It's Q-S-E-H-R-A. You can uh, Google that and learn more about it. But it's essentially um, a reimbursement arrangement that where uh, small employers can provide a certain dollar amount per employee per month. Um, So let's say you want to do $5 a month or $50 a month per employee. And then they can, it goes into their QSERA account. So it's like a bill on your end. You pay automatically $50 per person or $20 per person, whatever you want. And it's a sort of lose it, use it or lose it deal. So if a clinician wants to use it on uh, their health insurance premium, or they want to use it towards a um, medical bill that they have, they can use that and it's not banked. So it does, so that $50 it doesn't, they can't bank it and wait, you know, six months and then have $300 to use. It's just whatever that you, whatever you give them in that month is all that they can use for that month. And then if they don't use it, it goes back into your account. And I like that idea because, um, you know, you don't, you aren't going to necessarily be having every employee use it every single time, right? There's always going to be some that don't use it for whatever reason. 
Um, and it also doesn't require you to like set up a whole nother bank account and save money in case someone wants to bank it, you know, way down the line. Um, so that's another option, QSERA. And then there's non-financial benefits. And the two things I think most of our supervision and things like leadership training for people to move up in your company doing some sort of leadership position, whether that's supervising or being a clinical director or um, doing marketing or onboarding uh, new clinicians or being a part of the hiring process. Those are two things that um, are don't necessarily cost you upfront. Now, obviously, you have to pay someone to be a supervisor and you have to pay someone a little bit more to be in a leadership position, but it's a, a benefit that isn't a monthly sort of benefit that every employee is going to get. It's something that people can grow into. Um, and those are non, non-financial benefits in terms of the way I'm structuring this uh, podcast. Um, but then there's some of the smaller ones that I didn't mention that are things like having, um, you know, Friday luncheons or uh, uh, morning breakfast runs or having a fully stocked uh, kitchen with snacks and, and unlimited like sodas and waters or whatever, right? These are things that a lot of people, if you like look at Google and stuff, they have uh, their employees get a ton of these smaller sort of benefits as well. Um, and those are things that their reports have shown that employees end up valuing so much more. It's like having a bike rack or um, having snacks in, in the in the fridge that are unlimited or things like that. And so think outside the box. This is what can help set you apart from other group practices in your area. And so don't look at, you know, always those basic things that every other employer is trying to offer, but look at some of those fun outside of the box things. It might be a monthly, like we do a monthly yoga session. Um, I pay our local yoga studio to, uh, one Saturday a month, offer us two hours of restorative yoga just for my staff. They can come in they know what day and uh, time of the day and what day of the week it is. And every month they get to have a space to themselves that they can do yoga um, with a little bit of Reiki and they love it. And it's a uh, low cost because I, I it's 150 bucks on my end, um, whether one person or all 30 whatever of our clinicians show up. Um, but it's a one-time payment and all my clinicians can have the benefit of a restorative yoga session. Um, so it's kind of like things like that are, are really interesting and outside the box and show that we care about them outside of just the typical like work-related um, things like health insurance and all that is. This is wellness and, and some people use it um, like they offer um, like massage and they might offer a quarterly 20, you know, 20 minute massage chairs. I know, I think Uriah um, had brought this up that he brought a chair massage person one day of the week uh, randomly and uh, they offered chair massages to any of the staff that had a break between clients. Such a great idea and super unique. And one of the things that the, his staff, I'm sure, are going to remember for a really long time. Um, and it's a little bit lower cost than offering something every single month to uh, every single employee, right? Something that's like a cost to everyone, whether that's like profit sharing or health insurance or retirement matching or sick time or time off. All those things are you have to duplicate for every single clinician in the practice every single month. Things like chair massages. It's a one-time cost um, and it is probably cheaper than, you know, offering some of these other financial benefits and it's super unique and people love it. So think outside the box, look at what benefits you're offering your employees and see what is it that they value most and what you have to offer. All right, guys, have a great one. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.